This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Behold the Podcast. This is Sean, and back from the uh, Aloha Islands themselves, Mr. Daniel Gillette. Say hi, Dan. Hello, welcome. Hi, uh, Aloha. This is great. Graceful. Uh, We're going to play a fun trivia game here. See if you can guess who our uh, incredible keynote guest speaker is with us today. I'll describe him, and you see if you can name who it is. Uh, I guess we're off the bat, incredibly handsome. Very talented. Tall. A true Renaissance man. You know, someone who is gifted in uh, academics. Somebody who is also quite musical and artistic in that way. Great beard. His name quite literally means to be a strong, manly island. Did he change his name to be that because of that? I'm not sure. I haven't asked him. Really good at Uh, softball. Hits home runs. He's single. Every time. It is the one and the only... Mr. Charles Lyle Mang. Say hello, Charlie. Hi, y'all. I, I do take offense to some of that introduction, but that's okay. It was all kind stuff, I guess. Yeah, we could have yeah. roasted you. But you could have. We, uh, we toasted you. So That's right. Strong and manly island. Did you know can, that that's what your name means? I did, yes. Lyle. Lyle means island, apparently. I mean, wow. and then strong and manly, I'm guessing like some King Charles back in the day was like, I'm gonna go ahead and say that this is what my name means. This is what did, it means. Did you now. know that? Did you know that that Daniel means God is my God is my judge. That is a good one. I did I've always know that. I've always thought about maybe getting the um the tattoo that Tupac had oh or has, depending if you if you believe the conspiracies. Yeah, only God can judge me. Don't yeah. you think that would look good, like right across my chest? Wow. I don't. I don't. <laughs> What's what's also fun, just to add to the name thing, is uh, there there was talk uh, that the, there's a possibility that Meng, which is my strange last name, comes from the German von Mingenhausen. So Charles Lyle von Mingenhausen would be my name, uh, and von Mingenhausen means house of plenty. So strong, Ooh. manly island, house of plenty. Whew. That's, uh, that's a wrap, guys. That's Let's that is prophetic uh, or, or pathetic. I don't know which. <laughs> wow. We're, we're, we're sinking here. Um, on the topic of German names, actually, this is a fun fact. My name is Helch, if you're Bostonese, or Holsch, if you're the rest of the world. That comes from the German name Hulsch, with an umlaut, like H-O-umlaut-L. Yeah. But they ditched the umlaut and it became O-E here in America. So, long story short, my family is the only Holsch family in the entire world. Wow! Wow! That explains there's, a lot. There's lots of Holschers with an er at the end, but there's <laughs> no other. I'm gonna Holsch's. call you Holscher from now on. I love it. Yeah. Get so a load of this Holscher. <laughs> well, well, and I've always told people it's Helch, like Welch. That's and what. So that's what my family says because they're from Boston and they're weird. But if you look at it phonetically, that doesn't make any sense. So go figure. But if you're the only one in the whole world, you get to define how to. You could pronounce it Smith. Exactly. If you, you know to. what? From now on, Holsch means strong, manly island. I'm deciding. <laughs> wow! This. Wow! I like that. <laughs> I like it. All right, this is dumb. Keep moving. S- speaking of island, Dan, okay. give us a one sentence. How was your time in the islands? It was a dream. It was just really sweet time. So yeah, I'm. It was hard to leave, but I'm glad to be back. Emily and I were both remarking just. 
at how nice it is to have a life that you, that you love to come back to, you know, a, a church family that, that we love and, and an area of the Tri-Valley that we really feel called to and, and, um, you know, just a, just a home with your own bed and all that stuff. So yeah, it's just really cool. cool. Good, nice to come back to something that we love and people we love. Wow. We're flattered. Me and Charlie are flattered. Oh, I wasn't talking about you guys. <laughs> oh, never mind. Where's, where's the eject from meeting button? Oh, let's yeah. see. All right. Well, hey guys, it's good to be with both of you and whoever you are listening, wherever you are, it's great to have you with us today. We hope that today's going to be encouraging and just equipping for all of y'all. Now, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, you know that we have been in this series looking at 2 Timothy and just Paul's instructions to Timothy and kind of just building him up as his friend, as his co-laborer, all those things, and just reminding him of some things about life, some things about ministry and all that good stuff. And this last week, Mr. Charlie Manning himself, I can't say your name now without thinking about the whole conversation. Anyways, <laughs> Charlie spoke about, uh, towards the end, the section in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, and we're talking about death and our view of death and how that really shapes Paul's, uh, his focus with his, his ministry, with the time he has left. And so when we look at that, what does that mean for us? You know, what can we glean from that? How can we have that same sense of urgency when it comes to our life here on earth until we're with Jesus? Mm. So Charlie, I can't ask you because that would be cheating. So Dan, as you listen to Charlie's message, what's some of the first things that jumped out to you as you, you heard what he said? Yeah, it was, it was such a challenging word and it, it really just, you know, caused me to evaluate where I'm at and how I'm investing my life. And it was, it was convicting in a good way, but I walked away too with just this sense of, of peace and just knowing that there is hope, you know, there is something for us to, to bank, you know, our, our trust in that, uh, the, the suffering and the pain and the death that we see in life now is not all there is. And that, we do have a judge who is righteous and we have a judge who, um, who loves us and is going to not only make everything right in the world, but he's going to make sense of, uh, you know, and reward and, and just, you know, um, shine a light on, on everything that has happened in, in our lives. And there's no, not going to be anything that goes un, unanswered or, or no stone unturned and, and so I just, I don't know, I walked away with just this sense of overwhelming peace and, and just mm. knowing that that we can rest in in that judgment, that it's gonna be it's gonna be good, you know? And I don't know if you guys have gotten this sense, but it's just a heavy, it's been a heavy couple of weeks around here at VBC. I've talked to um about a dozen people over the phone or in person um since I've been back the last few days and Man, just talking to people who uh, are are dealing with COVID right now. They they they've uh, contracted the virus and they're struggling through you know the the symptoms or <clears throat> the isolation of of quarantine. Or, you know, there's people in our church family who are watching loved ones die and um, dealing with cancer diagnoses and uh, just all kinds of financial struggles and 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 pain and and just really facing death. <laughs> Um, and, and so this message is just like all of the, these messages have just been so timely, I think yeah. for us to, to go through. It was definitely heavy 
you know, anytime you talk about death, it's going to, it's going to be heavy, but I felt like it was just so timely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just speak to that a little bit too. I mean, it's, I've had, I'd say probably about five or six days now straight where, um, I'm just in it. You know, there's just a lot of pain, a lot of loneliness, uh, a lot of sadness. And it's again, not a loneliness that I can, I can combat by just being around people. It's that loneliness of, of not having Sarah. And that's not something that is fixable in the way that I would want it to be fixable. Mm. Um, and, and I think in the midst of all of that, too, just as, as different things ramp up around our country in terms of the COVID stuff and looking at what this next school year is going to be like, I just think that there's, there's one for me, a, a um, I don't know, just a very clear sense of, of how fragile our existence is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that can be broadened out to, to all of us, whatever we're walking through, when we stop and actually reflect on what's happening Right. That it's that Psalm 103 thing, right? That that we are a flower of the field and the wind passes it over and it's yeah. gone. Like there is a fragility to life that that if not uh if not framed in biblical truth can become extremely um depressing discouraging yeah. and depressing. <laughs> and and again, I'm not I don't want to say that that those emotions are necessarily bad emotions, but but what I've been having to do is just really combat those with biblical truth of, of where Sarah is, of where I'm headed, of where my kids are headed. You know what I mean? So long as they come to that position of, of trusting the savior. And, and it just highlight, highlights, like you said, Dan, this, this sense of urgency to, to live for the glory of, of our savior, to point to his gospel in everything. Um, and man, just as he did with Paul here, we, we trust that God uses that. So if you're going through a hard time, Understand that as you walk faithfully in the midst of that, God is pointing others to the gospel through your faithfulness. Mm. And that is worth it. Uh, even at times, and I, I'll attest to it, even at times where it doesn't feel like it's worth it or I don't see it as worth it, it doesn't change the reality that we have a God who works all things together for for good, for those who've been called according to his purposes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Dan, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the fact that it feels like things are getting intense and heavy and even you mentioned COVID, right? And I think it's really interesting. I just want to be clear. I'm not making a commentary about your stance on COVID, whoever you are listening, but in several people in my life, at least it's been interesting this last two weeks because a lot of people that are close to me have really kind of changed their, the way they speak about COVID-19. And it's because of what you said, Dan, it's because either they or people really close to them are getting sick now. And these same people who mm-hmm. six months ago talked about COVID like it's the tooth fairy, you know, now th- that that sense of whimsicality is gone, right? Yeah, yeah. And There's they're grim about it. Shift, yeah. And it's because they're facing the reality of how bad it can be and the death of it. And in that same exact way, that's what we're talking about with Paul. Like, yep. it's all whimsical. Life is whimsical and it's all loosey-goosey. And all of a sudden when the reality of death comes, man, what are you doing right now? What are you doing with this time that's so precious? So I love that you brought that up. I think it's a helpful picture for some of us yeah. as we think about the COVID thing, but expand upon that. This isn't just COVID. This is all of life, right? COVID is just a tiny little slice of our lives <clears throat> compared to the reality of what we're talking about. Well, and that, that perspective is such a powerful thing. And, and I was talking to a friend who uh, has been sick with COVID this the, this last week and is is finally starting to, to turn the corner a little bit. But this person was, um, man— just really struggling through the, with the symptoms and, 
and got had some pretty dark days where she, she wasn't sure if she was going to live, honestly, and got to this point where she was just so desperate um, for the Lord and it's just so empty and so um, at the end of her rope. I mean, she just was telling me she she just she just laid there on the floor and she 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 couldn't she she just worshiped. She couldn't sing. She couldn't even move. And she just prayed, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm not going to move until you move. I'm just going to wait here for you. And <clears throat> I told her, I was like, man, that is such a beautiful physical. I know that was hard. Well, well, first of all, I'll just say she gave an amazing testimony. God did meet her there and spoke some really sweet things and comforted her and, and gave her the strength that she needed to endure. <clears throat> but I was telling her, I was like, man, that is such a beautiful physical uh, representation of, of the, the spiritual reality of how desperate we are for the Lord, for his presence in our lives, for his His word to to ground us to reality. And I think a lot of times we just go through life. I think on Sunday, Charlie, you even said, like, we're just, we're, we're pursuing happiness. We're, we're, we're trying to buy this next toy or build up this retirement or go on that vacation or whatever. And we're completely missing the whole perspective of of life, you know, that, that it is about me pouring out myself like a drink offering for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of people around me. And so anyway, just talking to these people that I have this week, just about, that are going through the, the loneliness, the isolation, the, the pain of COVID-19, the sickness of it. I think it really, like you said, Sean, gives us an opportunity to have incredible pers- eternal perspective. And I love, I love what Paul says in verses 17 and 18. Twice he, he references this joy. This, he says, I'm glad and I rejoice with, with you, even though I'm facing the, the grim reality of my own death. And man, we can, ha- we can live with that kind of urgency all the time. We should, we should be. And I would, I would argue, I mean, I, and I understand what you're talking about. It's that worldly perspective of that grim reality, but Paul would never yeah. call it a grim reality, yeah, right? You look true, at the rest true. of Philippians, right? right? And what does he say, right? Like, man, he's, he, he's got such to a... To die is gain, right? Right? Yeah. It's such a profound yeah. thing of like, I desire to depart and be with Jesus, which is better by far, <laughs> but yeah. I'm convinced that it's better for me to stay because of you. It's right. for your benefit, for your growth, for your, you know, for, for that relationship. I'm yeah. convinced of that. And so I'm I'm convinced that the Lord is gonna keep me here. And and God did at that point in, yeah. in in Paul's life, right? But he's but yeah, he comes to that thing. But man, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's yeah, yeah. not grim. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. No, I I'm glad you clarified that. Which I talked about on Sunday too, right? That there right. is like from the worldly standpoint. Watching my wife have to be alone for three weeks in a hospital, her, her biggest fear was dying alone in a hospital, being intubated, um, losing her grip on reality in that process. Um, it's grim. It, yeah. it, is, it is a horrific thing. And so we don't right. want to I'm – not, I'm not just Downplay saying – yeah, yeah. yeah. But when we go to it from the perspective, right, right. That, that Sarah, that Paul, that, you know, you name who – as they keep their eyes focused on Christ, they get to share in the suffering of Christ. And there is a sweet intimacy in that that is worth it. I mean, it's heavy, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And I think like as you're listening to this, some of you and hopefully, hopefully most of you are listening and saying, well, my wife isn't dying right now. You know, I don't have COVID. Like hopefully we're praying that like most of your lives are in a decent place right now. 
But the 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 important thing to remember is that that doesn't matter. Like, praise God, first of all, that you're not going through something horrific like that right now in the season of life. But either way, man, that 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 day is coming. You know, our days here are numbered and limited, and we're either using our time for God's glory and for the expansion of his kingdom, or we're not. And we're just wasting those days away. So anyways, if you're listening and you're not going to do those heavy things, amazing. And listen to this podcast today through that lens of, okay, so I am a great place. How am I going to use that for God's glory? Well, and to recognize that, that I mean, we see it throughout scripture, right? In the sense of, of we we face death daily in the sense of dying to ourselves, right? Mm. Like if we are to be living sacrifices, what we're doing daily, moment by moment, is rejecting our own flesh and living to the glory of Christ, right? It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me, right? Like I'm, I'm crucified with Christ. Like it's, it's it, don't you know, if you have been baptized into his death, like it's all that imagery of, of living a life that is marked by continual death. And, and are we doing that or are we getting distracted by the shiny toy or by the retirement account or by the perfect family or by whatever it might be? Well, that's why it's so great that I think you brought up the, the parable of the talents yeah. because, because that is just a great way for us to do some evaluation and yeah, whether, and that's the thing too, I think we get into, we get into trouble with is we, we compare our suffering to other people's suffering, you know, and, and we have to understand that if we believe that God's our father in heaven, then he is the one who is, is superintending our whole life. He's the one that is orchestrating every little detail. And he is the one that, you know, allows these things to happen to us, these difficult things. He's the one who determines how long they're going to last, what the severity of them are going to be. And he knows what we can handle. And he knows that without struggle, without pain or suffering or grief or loss, there's no growth. There's no way forward. And so he's working all of those things together for our benefit. Yeah. Right. And so, so don't, don't get in this comparison game. Like, Oh, I'm not, I don't have anyone in my life who's dying or I'm not sick or, or whatever. Like we all have things that we're struggling through that God is using, you know, for our benefit. Right. And so the, the question is, how, how are we handling what he's given us? How are we investing? And, and that's, that's where the, the parable of the talents, you know, comes in. And I think that's so good because it's that picture of investing, right? Like it's not a bad thing to invest in your 401k, but if mm-hmm. that's taking precedent over your investment in eternity, then there's something off in terms of your priorities, right? Yeah. Like, and, and so that's what we see here from Paul uh, throughout the whole last section, uh, really all of chapter four, is this understanding that he he is investing for that moment where he stands before the Savior, the righteous judge, and he is given the rewards based off of his faithfulness in this life. And and man, like I want I want more and more and more to live with that kind of of investment opportunity mindset, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. that there is reward in that. And, and as much as it might make this life difficult, again, it is a light and momentary affliction compared to the glory that awaits us. Yeah. That's so good. And I appreciate, Charlie, that you just brought up the idea of like, where is our focus at? You know, are we focused on 401k or retirement or yada, yada? <clears throat> and it's just funny because I think when a lot of us think about the idea of death, 
And it's because we're so just saturated with culture telling us this and the world telling us this. We think about it and our first instinct is, oh man, I got to do X, Y, and Z before I die. You know, I have to buy a home in the Bay Area. I have to invest my retirement account. I have to do this and this and this. I have to go pay for my kid's college, yada, yada. And that's just our instinct. You know, that's the first thing we think about. But we don't think about, oh man, I have to do this for God's kingdom before I die. I don't have to do this. And so I think a lot of us are coming from that kind of background of like, we're so used to thinking about death and thinking of it as a deadline to do all these things that the world is telling us we have to do. But then, and I think a lot of us understand that kind of, that that coin, the two sides of that coin, as far as our perspective of like, oh, world perspective, career, success, money, and then like God's perspective, like humility and all that stuff. I think most of us can kind of wrap our minds around that. But something I don't think we think a lot about is even inside the context of the church and of Christian messaging, man, we can put our focus on the wrong things, right? So, like, Dan, yeah. we, you were just talking about this, but we, we can really lean on things and call it Christian thinking that are not ultimately the message of the gospel of Jesus, right? Like, mm-hmm. Dan, do you want to take your thought about that? Yeah, for sure. I was, I was, as I was listening to these kinds of heavy things on Sunday, I was just thinking back to the previous sections we looked at where Paul is warning Timothy about these false teachers who can infiltrate the church and cause people to, to swerve from, from what's true and, and to shipwreck their faith. And they're not only that, but there's people in the church who are going to seek those teachers out. And I was just thinking about, man, there's, there's so much in, in, in the Christian world um, that doesn't really address the issue of suffering and grief and loss and pain in, in a satisfactory way. And I'm talking about, you know, the health and wealth kind of movements, the, the, the name it and claim it, you know, faith healing movements, the, the prosperity gospel uh, types of, of teachers out there. And if I'm someone who's going through something really difficult, it makes me feel like something's wrong with me. Like my, you know, my faith isn't strong enough. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a hopeless kind of, kind of, you know, teaching and gospel, false gospel to be underneath. Whereas when you look at what, what Paul's telling Timothy here, he's saying, he's saying, no, like, dude, death is, is a reality like that we all face and it's, it's coming for all of us. And we, we even experience it, you know, all throughout our life, not even just that final death kind of thing, right? And so, just the the hope and the perspective that 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 the real gospel offers is so much better than what's what the false teachers you know can can bring. And there's really a futility in in thinking that oh, every time I'm sick, God's going to heal me, or um, everything that that I want in life in terms of worldly possessions is going to be given to me because of my faith or, or whatever. There's, there's a real like futility in that kind of thinking. Whereas this teaching here gives us real perspective and real hope. Yeah. And I think it's so important, right? Like, like scripture is clear. I mean, read the book of Acts, like read, read through church history. Like what happened to Stephen? What happened to Paul? What happened to Peter? You know what I mean? Did they live these lives of comfort and health and wealth? No, no. And in fact, they they were martyred for their faith. You know what I mean? They were like, they faced death prematurely 
you know, whatever that means, but they de- face death prematurely because of what they were committing their lives to. Yeah. And man, it, gosh, scripture's so clear, right? You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and health. Like, it's, it's not what it's about. It's about trusting God. And man, we see so clearly in Paul's final thoughts here in this in this letter to Timothy that he he is not concerned about the manner of his death. He is not concerned mm-hmm. about the timing of his death. He knows that God is over that. And so he's going to keep going. And even if we go back, right, like the whole thing with Paul and the thorn in the flesh, like he prayed three times, God, take away this thing. Right. And what did what did God reply to him? He said, listen, like my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so embrace that and understand that Boston I will that. use that, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I think it's so important for us to just even just think about it logically. So, so first of all, there is nothing in scripture that prohibits us from praying for healing and believing and, in faith that God is able and that he is willing and that he will. And, and he and, does, yeah. And he does. We've seen it. We've seen yep. it happen so many times. But the the logical reality of this temporal existence is that everybody is going to die. The yes. Bible says it's appointed for, for, for man to die. It's going to happen. It's illogical for us to think that God is just going to keep healing us and keep healing us. And, and just like you said, you talked about on Sunday, Charlie, this, this um, again, the futility of like chasing immortality, yep. you know? And, and I was thinking even there's these, um, there's these scientific pursuits, to, you know, it's like biohacking. It's like, what can we do to like grow organs or like put like microchips in, in our body to like, you know, help us live longer and longer and longer. And what you see in that is, is just, there's a lack of hope that there's no eternal perspective and there's no real understanding of what, what suffering can produce in us and for the sake of the gospel. And so I was just so encouraged by, by this message because uh, I don't know, it just, it was held up in such as such a stark contrast to those false teachings that we've seen throughout church history and even now in our modern times. Yeah. And, and just to be, sorry, Sean, I know you want, you have something to say, but just to be clear, like, and Dan already pointed this out. So just to, to reinforce that, we're, we aren't saying that we should go seek death or seek suffering. That's going to happen in our lives. Like as we seek the gospel, as we seek the savior, like, like, by the very nature of that, we're going to come across opposition and hostility, but also just in the sense of a, a world that is marked by sin, there is going to be deterioration. We're going to go through that process. But we do have a God that works powerfully in that, both in the midst of our suffering and in delivering us from that suffering. Yeah. And and so, so as, as Dan said, we do pray for healing. And we I saw healing in Sarah's life multiple times, right, where God preserved her life. Miraculously. Miraculously. Yeah. But what happened in that process for me was a refining of my hope because I recognized, even in just the first instance of suffering through health stuff with her, that death is is imminent. Like yeah. it is something that's going to take place. And so am I going to just bank on the next healing, the next healing, the next healing, and let that define my relationship with God? Well, guess what? At some point, that healing is not going to come. And then what happens? My, my faith is shipwrecked. But instead, to grow in that confidence and praise God when he delivers her from those moments, but also grow in that confidence that when it is time for her to go, as it was seven months ago, 
that that he she was being ushered into the presence of the Savior, and 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 just to stand in that is such a freeing, hopeful way to live. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you you ended with that, Charlie, because I was going to say like listening to you talk, Dan, about prosperity gospel mentality and these other things. I think it's really the same with anything. Like prosperity gospel is an example, or look at all the things the world the world is telling us we need. You know, self help books or success courses or coaching, you know, essential oils or whatever the thing is that's going to like help you in your, in your life. You know, no offense if you're an essential oil person. Enneagram. Enneagram <laughs> number, whatever it is, you know, there's so many things that promise to help you, you know, and a lot of them do. They help you in different ways, but there is only one thing that will help you in an eternal way. Only one. And it is the work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, right? You know, we talk about healing. Medicine will help you. Sure. There's only one thing that has healed us for all eternity. Amen? Yep. Mm. So as we're thinking about that, man, just just what, what are you focusing on? What are you thinking about? And I think the point is this eternal perspective and eternal hope, focusing on that, that enables so many things. That freedom of life that Charlie just talked about, that's why when hard things happen, you know, when you hear things like, hey, count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds, that's a weird thing to do apart from this. But when you have this eternal hope, it just makes sense. Of course, I'm going to count it joy. Of course, I'm going to boast in weakness. Of course, I'm going to trust that God is using this to build steadfastness, endurance, and hope and all of those things. And not, not just those things personally, but that God is using that in the lives of those around us. Like again, mm-hmm. going back to Sarah on her deathbed, asking her nurse, do you know Jesus by communicating yeah. on a whiteboard, right? Like, like she did not want to go. It was horrific for her. The process was, was not a good process. And yet in the midst of that, because of her confidence in the Savior, she was still able to point others to him. And I, and I think that that's, what, that's that next step. Yes, we can stand secure. We can, we can say God is doing good for me in this process. But are we willing then to take that next step and say, throughout my suffering, I understand that I have the capability because of the Holy Spirit that's in me, because of the example that I have in Jesus to consider his suffering and, and to point others to him in that process. Yeah, that's good. Amen. That's good. Yeah, did remember that that when you when you worship God in trials and hard times, two things. It has power and impact in your life and it has power and impact in the lives around you in God's kingdom. So good. That's a word, baby. That's a word. Woo. Preach it. Hey, hey Charlie, I you know, I, I'm I'm curious about just your your study and cuz I know that that concept of reward and and especially like that phrase crown of righteousness that we see in this passage in verse eight, I know that 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 can be, you know, a little confusing or, or there's some different kinds of thoughts about that, but maybe, maybe you can just kind of give us a little window into, into what you found in your study. I know you touched on it obviously on Sunday, but maybe like expand it out a little bit and just yeah. give us, give us well, a sense is- of like, cause it, cause um, obviously this idea of reward is, is tied to, to um, you know, how, how we how we lived out our life, right? And yep. and God, as our righteous judge, is going to to make that known and, and determine that. And yep. but but you know, just go in a little bit deeper into that process, and maybe we can have a conversation about that. 
Well, it's just that that idea that he, he who is faithful of much to much will be given, right? Like there's there's that that idea, and there's different crowns. There's the crown of glory, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness. You can go through and, and study out different crowns that are mentioned. I think one of them is in James one. I can't. I think Peter talks about another one of them. Right, let's um, see if you can name them. What are the five crowns? This is good trivia. Ooh. Do you know? See, see, I, you can't do that. That's putting me on the spot. I'm not good at being on. You the named spot. three of them. I've got three. I'll give him a hint. Uh, people, okay, so at home are like, people at home are glory. like throwing stuff at, at the TV. Uh, crown of Life is the one in James. There's two more. Life. There's one. Life, righteousness, glory. There's two more. One is Just, about rejoicing is the fourth one. And the last one is the uh, uh, imperishable or incorruptible crown. Ooh, right. So, and, and what's wonderful about almost every single one of those is, uh, is they don't give a lot of explanation around around that. <laughs> Did Here's you just one say thing. casting crowns, Dan? I, I did. I said casting. That's hilarious. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, but that's but that's a good point, right? We do see in Revelation that these elders who have been been crowned for their faithfulness cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus, and and I think that this is the point. We don't need to get into the nitty gritty and define exactly what is this crown because Scripture doesn't really lay it out that clearly for us. So maybe it's not that important, like the details of which crowns are which. Right? Sure, but what is yeah. important is that is that we are told we will receive those based on how we live our life here. We are mm-hmm. told that we will receive something in, in as a reward from the Savior based on on our faithfulness here, and that in turn, I believe that for all of us. Um, what these crowns signify is a greater developed ability to bring praise, glory, and honor back to Jesus. Mm. It's not about patting ourselves on the back, right? It's, that's not the point. Yeah. What Paul is saying is that through his suffering, through his trials, through these things, as he has continued to endure, he has had his eyes on this. He's kept his focus on this, that one day he'll stand before the Savior and the Lord will point out how he was faithful yeah. And that will ultimately point back to the right. faithfulness of Christ. Well, it's those three things in verse seven, right? He, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep yeah. keep the faith. And I and I love and forgive me if I've if I've brought this up on a past podcast, but um, I'm a huge fan of the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe, which still holds up, by the way. And if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a great great old time classic that, movie. That's the one where uh, Mel Gibson yells "Freedom!" Right? No. Oh my God. <laughs> No, that that's signs. Yeah. Okay. Signs. So anyway, got, it, got it. So so in the be- in the opening in the opening scene, there's there's this battle, and Marcus Aurelius, who's played by Russell Crowe, is he's basically like get readying his troops for battle, and and right as they're about to ride out and to face the the enemy, he says, "Remember, what you do in this life echoes in eternity," and so you see that when when Scripture talks about heaven, you're going to see you see that there's this continuity that that how we have have lived and responded to the gospel and walked with Jesus and and, and done those three things in verse seven, there, there's going to be, um, it's going to make sense when we stand yep. before the Savior that there's there's going to be this, um, you know, the, these rewards. And, and it is, it is about um, throwing those back, you know, at the feet of, of the Savior and, and honoring him. Um, and I, and I just, I think that's really important for us to, to, to keep that in mind that, you know, it's not going to be like, we're not going to be, um, gloating or boasting in them at all. Um, 
but you know, there is going to be this, this sense of like, man, um, I don't know, like, well, I'll ask you guys this. Do you think there'll be a sense of, for those of us that, that maybe hadn't in, invested our life in, and done these, these things that, that Paul is laying out here, do you think there'll be a sense of like, I don't know, shame or, or a sense of like, oh man, I, I could have done better. You know, what do you guys yeah, think? I, mean, I don't think there'll be a sense of shame at all. I don't think that shame is a place in heaven. I do think that we'll have an understanding that we missed opportunities for God's glory. And in mm. that, we'll probably be rejoicing and praising God for his grace in that, you yeah. know? Mm. But I think we'll understand what we did yeah. and what we didn't do for God's kingdom. But I definitely think on the flip side of that, like maybe less about the people who don't get the crowns, but those who do, the imagery I get is not this, hey, gold medal, you did it, you know? But it's, man, it's my Abba father, like welcoming in his arms and saying, my son, you you run the race well, thank you, mm-hmm. you know? And just that sense of comforting love and affirmation. And not it's not about the award, you know? It's just that, yeah. hey, you ran the race well. Well, when you think about even just, you know, having kids that are coming into those ages where they're competing or they're working hard at school or whatever it might be, right. to like, to sit, you know, Jude or Stella down and say, man, I know how hard you worked. And I'm so proud of you. And, and man, you, you, you went through it and it was hard at times, but you figured it out. And I'm so, so proud, right? There, there is, it's a relational kind of thing there. And, and, and then I think Stella it, gets the participation trophy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We throw those away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Just kidding. Well, and, and maybe we can talk to you just about, about the, the word judge in this passage. Hmm. It says, you know, there. He talks about the Lord's being a righteous judge, with regards to how He rewards us on that yeah. day, and I think that that word gets a little muddled in our in our, you know, modern day context because I think that people have experiences with judges where they've seen corruption, or they've seen judges who don't judge justly, and. I think there can be some fear or skepticism associated when we hear that word. So um, what are some ways for us to kind of combat that and understand that term in a, in a biblical sense? Well, and I think, I think really that's part of what Paul's point is here. Yeah. Is he's saying, I just, I, I've already had my first trial. I'm getting ready for my second. They've trumped up charges against me. Mm-hmm. What, I am not facing a righteous judge in this process. Jesus did yeah. not face a righteous judge in his in his condemnation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like and and so, but he's saying to contrast that, I I know who my ultimate judge is, and he is righteous, and he's gonna reward me. There's vindication being communicated in this of saying, Man, these guys think that they're gonna take my life. They have no idea. All they're doing is pulling that anchor up for me so that I can go on to my next destination, right? That's so cool. And so I, I think that he's doing that for us where where if we can take that 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 I don't know that view of the corrupt judge and and move all the corruption out and understand what it means and why Jesus has that title attached to him, why he can serve as the righteous judge, it's because of his perfect life, it's because of his sacrificial death, it's because of the resurrection, right? Like he he has that authority, he has that ability that ultimately no one else does. I mean, there are good judges out there, right, in the world, but. No one like Jesus when it comes to those grand matters of eternity. 
And so there's just a freedom, man, uh, I, that you hear wow. from Paul of just like, these guys, these guys think they're going to put me to death. These guys are, are, are trumping mm-hmm. up these charges against me. But I, guess who I'm going to ultimately stand before? It's the righteous yeah. judge. And I've got security in that. Yeah, I love that. And I agree, Dan. I think the word judge has been kind of twisted and we think of it and we think of like, oh, they're judging me, you know, like, don't, don't you tread on me kind of thing. <laughs> but no, like, like right now in, in this verse, in Timothy, it's Cretase, which is more of a title, right? But the action that it comes from is crino. And when you look at that word, it's like the sense is not looking down upon, you know, or condescending over, but it's a very like accounting of, assessing of, determining of, of separating mm. upon and weighing these things. And so when we think about that, like who else could do that but Jesus? Yeah. You know, who yeah. else could do that but God? When we look at like, I think of, um, you know, First Peter 2, who else could judge justly, you know, and is worthy of us to entrust all of these things into because of that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, and I, and that's really what we what we long for. Yeah, I think there, there's something in us innately that longs for justice to be, you know, adjudicated. <laughs> I even think about I even think about my kids like they're they my kids are so quick to point out injustices. You know, it's like. That's not fair, you know. Like we, he got more ice yeah, cream than me. Exactly, <laughs> and and I think we look at the world right now. And in fact, this is one of the, the biggest objections to Christianity and to a loving God is, man, how come there's so much suffering and pain and, and and evil in the world that goes unpunished? And what Scripture tells us is that one day the Judge is going to weigh all that stuff out and make it all right. And, and one of the things that I think is really important for us to distinguish about that is there's, there's two types of judgment that, that we will face on that day, right? That humanity in general will face on that day. Revelation 20 talks about the great white throne judgment and that there's going to be um, an accounting of names that are written in, you're either in the book of life or you're not. And if you're, if, if you don't belong to Jesus, you know, if you haven't received his free gift of eternal life through faith in Christ, your name's not in that book and you're going to face, um, you're going to face a second death and you're going to be separated from God, um, and his presence for all of eternity. And, um, and that's, should be very sobering for us, um, as we're listening, because there's some people in our lives that their, their, their names aren't in that book. And, and we, um, we have a responsibility, you know, to, to reach out to them. And we don't know, we don't know who's in that book, right? We don't know how it's all going to play out. That's again, coming back to trusting our judge, right? Yeah. Um, so, but for us that are in Christ, we don't have to face that. We don't have to ha- live in fear of that judgment, right? Um, but we are going to have to stand before the Savior and give an account for how we invested our life. And this is where I think it comes back to that, um, the parable of the talents. And if you look at, that third servant, um, when the master returns to see how he invested what he gave him, uh, <laughs> Jesus says, he calls him wicked. You, you, you were wicked because you, you took what I gave you and you didn't do anything with it. And there's no return for it. And you see in, in, that, in, his, in his account to the master, he said, I was afraid. I was afraid. And I was late. And, he, and Jesus said, you were lazy. And, or the master did. And so I think for us, like, man, if we're, if we're having, if we have this fearful response 
when we hear that God is going to judge us, I think that should be a really good indicator for us that um, maybe we don't belong to him, <laughs> you know, or maybe, maybe we're not living our, our life in a way that is, is, um, you know, reflecting the, the spiritual reality that we are in that book of life. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you hear the word judge and fear is what, what comes to mind, um, I think that should be a real gut check for you. Yeah, that's, that's a great reminder, Dan. I think for some of us, maybe we feel that way. And if that's you, if you heard that and you're like, oh, snap, that's how I feel. Do some praying, man. Just invite the Lord to in- investigate and, again, judge your heart, this accounting of your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and and trust that growth will come. So in, in thinking about this, you know, I think we've really drilled it in. We're going to die, you know. <laughs> Time is limited. Like the comet is approaching the earth kind of vibe right now. But then what do we do with that, right? Mm. What are we saying? You know, we're saying, hey, sense of urgency, use the time well, like use this opportunity for God's glory. But what does that look like? And I think sometimes we get this this pressure built up in our heads thinking about, like I'm sure a lot of you have heard that whole thing of like, you know, how much do you have to hate your neighbor to not share the gospel with them kind of thing? And like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a train approaching and we're all on the tracks and how much do you have to hate them not pump the tracks kind of thing? Yada, yada, yada. Which, yeah, that's certainly true to a degree, but I think a lot of times we think of it as, oh man, there's a lot of pressure on me to go and save this person off the tracks and it's a whole thing. But so often what God's asking us to do is not go onto the tracks and pick them up and carry them away, right? God is asking us to be authentic and unashamed about, hey, person there on the tracks, there's a better way. Witness how I'm walking away and follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? You don't have to have this pressure of, oh, the time is ending. I need to convert Mm. everyone in my life because you don't, that's not your work to do. (laughs) You need to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You need to be a light in your environments, wherever you are. You need to be unashamed in worshiping God when those hard times come. And in that, just trust that Christ is going to do a work in those people's lives. Amen. Amen. Well, and it it reminds me of, of the memory verse we're doing in staff from Ephesians chapter five. I think we've been memorizing 16 and 17, right? But I'll, I'll start reading in, in 15. It's, it says, or maybe we are starting in 15. I don't know. It's 15, it says, yeah. look, look carefully. carefully. Yeah, look carefully okay, then yeah. how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And it just goes on to talk about, hey, don't, don't waste your time getting drunk on wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, talk to each other um, about these things uh, uh, that, you know, teach and sing to each other and and worship God in your heart. Give thanks to God for everything that he's doing in your life. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, and you know, I think the other thing too, Sean, I love that you brought that point up of like pressure. You know, um, we have to remember that God's plan for his gospel to go out into the world and for his kingdom to be expanded is his plan is, is the church. Okay. Yep. This, yep. this responsibility is not on you. It is not on your shoulders. This is something that we are meant to be on mission, living together in community and doing this work together. And I think that brings a lot of comfort and a lot of um, support and peace to, to the mission and so another thing too is like, man, if you're, if you're feeling um, that pressure, maybe just ask yourself, like, am I really, am I connected to 
the church? Am I on mission with the church or am I just kind of floating, you know, as me and my family or me and my roommates or, you know, um, am I just kind of like, eh, on the fringe a little bit? Maybe a good first step is to, is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and be brought into the fold of, of this missional community mm. and, and then see what, what God does from there. Amen. Um, I'll throw out my ending challenge of just you know, think about this this week. And as far as the context of where is your time being spent, you know, where is your mental capacity being spent? And as you're reading stuff or commenting on stuff or talking to people about things that are happening that are important for sure, just, man, is this, is this the focus, your, the, the perspective, the lens that you're looking at things through? You know, if you're spending however much time and energy venting about the mask mandate or about people who are or aren't doing what you want with COVID or all these other things, like, man, is that, is that pointing towards an eternal hope in your life? You know, is that what you're communicating to people or not? And if not, then maybe it's time to just assess, I mean, how, how am I representing Christ in these different topics? It's good. Charlisle. Yeah. It's, it, 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 yeah. I mean, it's about him. Our lives are to reflect his glory, to, to be that sent, right? To be ambassadors, all these things we, I always hit, I always talk about it. Like that is what being brought into the kingdom of God means is that we now have the freedom to live for something greater than ourselves. For as long as we have breath in this life, we are to be pointing people to Jesus. And, and man, Paul exemplified that for us in the way that he looked at his life and the way that he, he, you know, did that inventory and, and the way that he lived with hope and, and certainty, you know, his, his major driving motivation is this reality that he's going to stand before the savior and he, and he mm. wants to be faithful, right? He wants it to, he wants his life to result in greater praise, glory, and honor. Can we say the same things? And if not, then what do we need to do to cultivate that kind of love and longing for the appearing of Jesus? Think on it. Oof. Oof. Think on it. Can't wait. I can't wait. Yep. Can't wait. All right, guys. Hey, we know that this has probably been a little bit of a challenging episode, but we just cannot communicate enough that the emphasis here is the freedom that we have. Amen. Love you guys. Praying for you all. Hope that this is equipping for you. Go out and do it, guys. Go in peace. Love y'all. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you'd like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.